You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. I feel like who art Ed? I'm trying to spice it. Who art Ed? Mr. Wood art Ed me. Either way, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood. Just a quick reminder, if you're listening on Amazon Music, you can see an image of the work I'm talking about on the episode-specific cover art. And of course, whatever platform you're listening on, Amazon Music, Spotify, please leave a rating or review. It really makes a big difference to help others discover the show. Now, this week, we're going to be focusing on Han Van Meegren. It's probably not a name most of you know. There was nothing particularly special about Han Van Meegren in the early days. He grew up dreaming of being an artist, and much to his father's disappointment, he decided to go to art school. He attended the Royal Academy of Art in The Hague, and after graduation, he taught art as well as selling some of his own sketches. He actually started to get some attention for his sketches of plants and animals, but with more attention came more scrutiny. After his second solo exhibition, one critic said that Van Meegren had, quote, every virtue except originality. Basically, it was technically strong, but it was boring and uninspired. Well, Van Meegren could not handle that criticism. He quit painting, he just went off about, you know, how modern art was terrible and all this other stuff. He moved to the south of France. It sounds like it was a pretty epic tantrum. But here's the thing. This wasn't the end of Han van Meegren. This was just the beginning. This was the point where van Meegren broke bad. The late 1930s was a rough time in Europe. Nazis were on the rise, the museums began hiding their most treasured works, even shipping them off to safe locations. As all of these works were floating around in the art world, and many pieces were being hidden, Han van Meegren emerged as an art dealer. Specifically, he talked about having some lost Vermeers. As I explained in the previous episode about the Vermeer stolen from the Isabella Stewart Gartner Museum, There aren't a lot of Vermeer paintings, and much of his biography is unknown. There are, however, some historians who believe that Vermeer studied under an artist who was heavily influenced by Caravaggio. 
Von Meegren was celebrated for bringing the world the gift of these lost Caravaggio-influenced Vermeer paintings. The critics loved the paintings, and they loved Von Meegren for discovering these lost works. He sold them for huge amounts, and over just a few years, he amassed a fortune of about $30 million in today's money. The thing is, Van Meegren would sell to anyone with money, including the Nazis. Hermann Goering, Hitler's vice chancellor, was also an art lover. He particularly loved the Vermeer painting he got from Van Meegren. So, in the 1940s, after the war, as they were looking at all of Goering's ill-gotten works, they started to investigate where did Goering get that Vermeer painting. And they couldn't find a lot about it, but they did trace it back to Van Meegren. Now, whatever they expected to hear as his response when they came knocking, asking why Van Meegren was doing business with the Nazis, I guarantee they were surprised. Van Meegren declared that he deserved not to be treated as a traitor for letting this great Dutch masterpiece fall into the hands of the Nazis. He said he should be celebrated as a hero. Because what he actually gave the Nazis were fakes. He claimed that by selling and trading these forgeries, he was able to to get 137 authentic Dutch masterpieces from the Nazis. It was an interesting defense, and I mean, like I say, he was on trial for treason. He was facing execution. But he said he wasn't a war criminal. He was a common criminal, a forger. The odd thing is, in this case, the fraud to many people seemed kind of noble, if it were true. It'd be hard for anyone to feel sympathy for the victims of the crime, but most found it too hard to believe. Most thought he was just lying to cover for his own misdeeds. To add a little theatrical flair to the story, Van Meegren was ordered to prove his claims by creating a forgery under court supervision. And this is how we learned the incredible lengths he went to in creating forgeries that would fool the world. To create a convincing illusion of a 17th century masterpiece, he started with 17th century materials. Mostly. He got authentic 17th century canvases. Like, he took old paintings, scraped the paint off so that he would have genuinely aged canvas to be painting on. Now, for the pigments, he used materials that would have been available at the time. Say what you will about Van Meegren, but he did his homework. He did research what kinds of uh, pigments, what coloring agents were artists of that time using. He would research the specific artists. Like when he was painting uh, quote-unquote Vermeer, he looked into what pigments, what colors was Vermeer using? How did he derive his colors? And Van Meegren would use the same materials. The thing is, over time, when you look at an oil painting, the oil will cure and harden over the years, over the decades, over the centuries. And it's hard to fake that kind of thing. So this was a genius move on his part. It wouldn't really fool people 
today with the forensic technology that we have. But at the time, they weren't able to look so closely at the works. And so he used Bakelite. It was sort of like a plastic binder to mix into the paints. And then he baked the canvas to harden it. So it became this hardened plastic mixed into the paints, giving it the look and feel of a centuries-old painting. In the end, in dramatic fashion, he was able to reproduce an authentic-looking forgery under supervision. And that left everybody with this strange feeling like, how do we evaluate, how do we look at this guy? Because, yes, he was a criminal, yes, he was a fraudster, but also, you know, he was conning evil people. So there were a lot of people who looked at him in somewhat a heroic fashion. But he wasn't only conning evil people. He was conning anyone he could get money off of. And so while he was let go from the treason charges, he was sentenced to, I think it was a year for the fraud, for the forgery. He never would serve that term. He, I think, had a heart attack and died before he even got to jail or shortly after he got to jail. But in the story of Von Megren, I think the most just amazing irony is he's got to be the only con man in history who had to go to such great lengths to prove to everybody that he was a fraud to get himself out of trouble. I think the other thing that's really interesting about the Von Megren story is what it tells us about what we're valuing in art. I mean, the Von Megren paintings, when he had his own name attached, were dismissed as unoriginal and not particularly special. But when he slapped someone else's name on them, I mean, when he said it was a lost Vermeer or some other work by a well-known and respected established artist, Everybody celebrated those works as astonishing masterpieces. I'm no fan of Van Meegren and no fan of forgeries, but it does raise some interesting questions. And like all great works of art, all great creative endeavors, his forgery scheme worked on several levels. And there are some different ideas and different takeaways you can, you can glean from it depending on your perspective. You could look at him as a liar, a fraud, a jerk, and a greedy person who was just out to make a quick buck. You could look at him as someone who was sort of calling out the emperor has no clothes, exposing that, you know, what people are really chasing in the art world is the status of a label, that something that has that seal of approval is automatically celebrated, regardless of the quality. I think one thing we can all agree on, no matter what your perspective and what you take away from the Von Meegren story, doing business with Nazis is always a bad idea. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Instead of a fan fact this week, 
I'm going to just take a minute or two to share a few wonderful reviews that I got from some people on Apple Podcasts. Danny K. Duke wrote, I'm not an art expert, but for this show, it doesn't matter. I was pleasantly surprised to listen to this podcast and not feel intimidated by the subject matter. The host, Kyle, makes even the most advanced art topics digestible to an art novice like myself. Really can't wait to listen to more episodes. I'm so glad I discovered this pod on Twitter. Danielle. Um, And that was Danielle from No More Late Fees, a podcast that I also discovered on Twitter. I think that was one I came across because I saw on Twitter um, another podcaster was throwing them some shade and I gave it a listen. I actually found the show pretty interesting. There's a good vibe, nice, relaxed. They do movie reviews. So if you're interested in nostalgia of movie reviews from the 90s, I'd suggest give the No More Late Fees podcast uh, a listen and and maybe get some good karma. Give them a rating or review too. Along similar lines, another wonderful, kind review uh, from Lex0418. They said, love the show and the host. He makes it really accessible, and I learn something new each episode. Both of those, both of those really just made my day when I came across them. Um, my goal has always been to make art accessible. In the words of Keith Haring, art is for everyone. And I wanted to make a show that would be open and accessible and relatable to everyone. So when I see a review like that, it it really makes me feel good. I've been doing this for three years now, and it makes me feel like I am finally doing something right when I see people are responding, even if they're not art experts and art enthusiasts. Everyone should be able to find something they can enjoy. And I want to be a part of that. So thank you very much. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted, part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. If you found this tolerable, please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week on social media at Who Arted Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And of course, on the website, whoartedpodcast.com. Podcast done.